Uh, This is, like much of the New Testament, a letter uh, to the community of people who claimed the name of Jesus, who claimed to be followers of Jesus. And I'm not going to say much more about it at this point. I'll bring in some other background information as we go along this morning and throughout our series in this book. But we're going to take our time in this letter. In fact, we're going to do verses 1 and 2 this morning. Uh, We won't always go that slowly, uh, but we are going to take our time here in the words that God has given to us uh, through the Apostle Paul in this letter. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hear now the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Let's pray. Father, as we come to these very brief words that open this letter, this ancient document that you've preserved for us, we come asking for your help. We come confident that these words are from you, but we come humble knowing that we need not only these words, but we need your presence. We need the work of your Holy Spirit to understand them, to be changed by them, to embrace what they reveal to us. And so would you be at work in us as we consider them? We pray that we would receive the words of grace and peace through Jesus and be lifted up by them this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I was listening to a sermon recently uh, by my friend Greg, and something went wrong with the recording uh, of the sermon that he was preaching that I was listening to. Uh, There was some interference where throughout the whole recording I heard not only the voice of my friend Greg, but I also heard the sound of the local sports talk radio station. (laughs) And so this whole sermon was Greg talking about Jesus and some guy talking about college football at the same time. And the more I thought about that mixture in that mistaken recording, the more I realized that that captures something of what it's like to be a Christian. If you are a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, you belong to two worlds at the same time. You live in the mixture of two realities. The world of of being in Jesus, of belonging to Him and all that that means, and the world of college football, and all of the other elements that make up our modern culture and life today. And we find those two worlds in verse 2 of our text this morning. This man named Paul writes to people who are in Christ. And he says in Christ they are saints, they are holy ones, they are set apart, they're distinguished. And they are distinguished as a family, they are brothers. In Christ they are saints and brothers. But not only are they in Christ, but they are at Colossae. And it's the same preposition there, in Christ, 
in Colossae. And Colossae was a small city in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is today Turkey. And these people lived in two worlds. They lived in the world of Jesus and in the world of the first century Roman Empire. And Paul wrote this letter because there was confusion about how to do that. How do you live in both worlds at the same time? This young community of Christians was struggling to know what it meant to live out their identity in Jesus at their particular place in their particular time. We have the same need, don't we? The need that drove the Apostle Paul to write this letter. We know that confusion of what does it mean to belong to Jesus in Tallahassee, in the year 2014. Every thoughtful approach to the Christian life and the Christian faith knows that we follow Jesus locally. We don't belong to Jesus just at certain times and places. We belong to Jesus all the time, everywhere. And so we belong to Jesus at work, in the classroom, at the library, in the mall, on Twitter and Facebook, and yes, even sitting in our homes in front of the TV watching college football. And that can be confusing, can it? What does it mean to live out our distinct identity in Christ in Tallahassee? How do we do that? Well, that's why I want us to spend some time as a community considering together the book of Colossians. Because Paul wrote this letter addressing that need, that confusion. How do we live in Christ in Tallahassee? And what I want to see us to see this morning from the opening of this letter, these brief two verses is that to live in Christ and in Tallahassee, we need the voice of this book, the book of Colossians, and we need the gifts of this book, the book of Colossians. So first of all, the voice of this book that we need to know what it means to live in Christ in Tallahassee. We believe that the book of Colossians, as a part of the scriptures given to us by God, is an inspired book. It is inspired by God so that when we come to this book, we hear the voice of God. But we also need to realize that we hear the voice of God in Colossians through the voice of a man, this man named Paul. And Paul identifies himself at the beginning of this letter as an apostle. And that word simply means messenger, but in the New Testament, that word takes on a greater significance and a greater meaning. Because to be an apostle meant to be labeled as those few people who spoke uniquely and authoritatively for God to God's people and to the world. How can Paul claim that label for himself? How can he claim this respected 
label apostle. Well, he says in verse 1 that he is an apostle by the will of God. And understand that this little phrase, the will of God, has a story behind it. And it's a story that we find in another New Testament book, the, the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we find this very same Paul, who in Colossians is talking about Jesus and what it means to belong to Jesus. But in Acts, we find a very different Paul. We find a man who is the fiercest critic and opponent of the early Christian community. So fierce an opponent that he is led to violence against those who call themselves Christians. He superintends the process of a mob of people picking up stones and throwing them at an early Christian leader named Stephen to the point that he dies. That's the Paul we find in Acts. How does that Paul become this Paul? Well, in chapter 9 of Acts, uh, we find Paul traveling from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Damascus. And he travels authorized to use whatever means necessary to stamp out the movement of Christianity in the city of Damascus. But on his way, he meets Jesus. He encounters a light that blinds him and that knocks him to the ground. And he hears a voice that says, Paul, called Saul then, why are you persecuting me? And he responds, and who are you again? And the voice says, I'm Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And that brief conversation transforms Paul's life. He goes to Damascus and he meets a man named Ananias who restores his sight and says to him, Okay, Paul, biggest opponent of Christianity, you are now the biggest proponent of Christianity. You are now an apostle, the one sent with a message from God. You speak on behalf of God, in particular to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people. That's Paul's experience of the will of God. That is why he can say, I am apostle, I am an apostle, I speak on behalf of God. He speaks on behalf of God because he had encountered the risen Son of God. And I spend time describing that, not only so that we will feel the weight of the voice of Paul in Colossians, but also so that we will understand the purpose of of the voice of Paul in Colossians. You see, Paul doesn't take his encounter with Jesus and just throw his weight around and say, hey, look how powerful I am. He doesn't point to his badge and say, look, official encounter with the risen Christ. You all have to do what I say now. No, Paul encountered Jesus so that he could help us encounter Jesus. And that's what we will see in this letter is a laser focus on who Jesus is. And Paul uses here language that is rich and beautiful to help us see this light that he encountered on the road to Damascus. Paul encountered Jesus so that he can help us encounter Jesus And that is why we so deeply need his voice. 
That is why we so deeply need the voice of Colossians. Because listen, if we are going to live in Christ, in Tallahassee, our deepest need is not a clever strategy. Our deepest need is not some more information or a better philosophy. If we are going to live in Christ, in Tallahassee, our deepest need is to hear of Christ. Our deepest need is to hear the message about who He is and what He has done. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but the legend about Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, lots of football uh, here this morning in the sermon, uh, great football, uh, legendary football coach, um, it is said of him that when he would begin practices with his players preparing for the upcoming season. Uh, He would gather these seasoned, veteran, professional football players at the beginning of their practice time together, and he would sit them all down, and he would hold up an oblong leather object, and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. The value of the book of Colossians is that it takes us back to that kind of essential. It takes us back to what is essential for us if we are going to live out our identity as belonging to Jesus. Paul says to us in this letter, gentlemen, ladies, this is Jesus. This is the beauty and the power of who He is. And that is why we need the voice of this letter. We need a voice that will take us again and again and again to the gospel, to the message about Jesus. Why? Why do we need to hear a voice that so repetitively brings us to this person, brings us to who Jesus is and what he has done? Well, we see the answer to that in that Paul in this letter not only tells us about who Jesus is, but he also tells us about who we are in Jesus. So we should come and hear about Jesus certainly because he is worthy of our attention, he is worthy of our worship, but Paul also teaches us to come to Jesus because Jesus, in who he is and what he has done, gives us gifts. And so we need not only the voice of Colossians, but the gifts of Colossians. After Paul identifies himself and identifies those to whom he is writing, what are his first words to them and to us? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. That is not mere letter writing convention. We find that statement in most of the letters that Paul writes, but that is not just habit. That little greeting summarizes Paul's whole project, that he had devoted his life to bringing people to Jesus and helping them gratefully receive Jesus' gifts. The gifts of grace, and peace. 
grace. The status of being favored by God. God looking at us, God looking at you with all of your imperfections. And because of Jesus, not because of who you are or what you have done, but because of Jesus, grace is God saying to you, to us, I am pleased with you. I delight in you. You belong to me. You are accepted by me. You belong with me and I am happy about it. That is the status of being under grace. And it is the status that Jesus gives to us. Peace. The mission of God in His creation. The mission of God where He takes all that is chaotic, all that is divided because of sin in our lives and in our world, and through His Son Jesus begins to put all that is broken back together again to take what is ugly and transform it into what is beautiful. To take what is divided, what is full of hate, and to reconcile it. And to bring peace and to bring wholeness. That is the work of God's peace through Jesus. And in Jesus, we receive the benefits of that work. Not only do we receive the benefits of that work, but we become a part of God's peace-bringing work in His creation. Those are the gifts of Jesus to us. And Paul's goal in this letter is to teach us about what it means to be given to those, given those gifts. And what it means to be satisfied with those gifts. You see, as he says to us, grace and peace, he is saying, in order to live in Christ in Tallahassee, you need these gifts. The gifts that are given to you through Jesus Christ. And not only do you need these gifts, but these gifts are all that you need. The gifts of grace and peace through Jesus are all that we need to live for Him where He has put us. We are in the stage of Legomania as a family with our oldest son, especially the recent gift-giving season has brought a number of Legos into our house. And the way Legos come these days, it wasn't this way when I was a kid, but the way they come these days is they come in boxes. And on the box is a picture of some battleship from Star Wars or something like that. And, and this set claims to help you build that picture. And to build these Lego sets is an act of faith. When you open that box, it is an act of faith that the pieces in that box are enough to help you build the picture on the box. The book of Colossians calls us to the very similar act of faith. It calls us to believe that the pieces... The gifts of Jesus, the pieces of grace and peace are enough. They are all that we need to put together a life and a community 
that reflects God's intention for us. The gifts of grace and peace are all that we need, and we need Colossians because we need to be reminded of that. And we need to be reminded of that because we like to supplement. And so did the Colossian believers. You see, the city of Colossae was a small city, but it was a very diverse place. And there were lots of options, religiously and spiritually and politically. And so you could have a little bit of the peace of Jesus, and then maybe you could get a little bit more peace from the Roman Empire and all that Caesar promised. You could have a little bit of the grace of Jesus, but then you could get even more grace from all sorts of religious practices and procedures and rituals. And Paul says to the Colossian believers, no, no, no. The gifts of grace and peace are enough. They are all that you need. You know, we live in a diverse place with lots of options. We can get a little bit of the peace of Jesus and then a little bit more of the peace that's a little bit of more money in the bank can give us. We can get the grace of Jesus and then if we could just get a little bit more by pulling ourselves together so that we're accepted by the right group of people, maybe that would be enough for us. And Paul says to us, no, no, no. The peace and grace that are given to you in Jesus are enough. They are all that you need to live in Christ in time. This week, of course, we cross the threshold of a new year, and, and often, of course, that's a time for us to make resolutions. And I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions or not, uh, but it's a time for that. And, and often Christians will make additional resolutions in addition to the typical diet, exercise, save money, whatever. And, and Christians will make resolutions about reading the Bible, Right? And so I'm going to read the Bible more, I'm going to read the Bible every day, I'm going to read the whole Bible through this year. And listen, those are good commitments. Whether they're New Year's resolutions or not, it is good for us to devote ourselves to the reading and study of Scripture. The reading and study of books like Colossians given to us from God. That is a good commitment. It is good to be committed to that as a part of our public worship. As we gather weekly on Sundays, we give ourselves to Scripture. We commit ourselves to reading and considering and studying these books that God has given to us. It is a good commitment to do as a part of our private worship throughout the week. I commend that commitment to you. But listen, we must never forget why that is a good commitment. It's what we've been reminded here at the beginning of this book, the book of Colossians. You see, a commitment, a devotion to Scripture is good, not so that we can get to the end of the year and have a sense of accomplishment because we read the whole thing. Because frankly, you know, you'll get to the end of the year and be cynical because you died in Leviticus anyway, right? <laughs> It is not to give us a sense of accomplishment. It is not so we can claim the title biblically literate. No, a, a commitment to Scripture, 
Commitment to the book of Colossians is good because in a life that screams at us, you aren't good enough. You are unacceptable. We need God through His Word to bring us to Jesus so that we can hear grace. You are loved. You are welcomed. You are embraced because of what Jesus has done for you. A commitment to to Scripture is good because in a world that screams at us chaos, fear, anger, We need the Bible to bring us to Jesus so that we can hear peace. I am making all things new. So would you join me in that kind of listening? As we consider this letter together over the next few weeks, would you join me listening for Jesus? So that we could hear him say to us again and again and again, grace and peace. And that is all you need. Let's pray.